welcome to today's edition of Suffolk Money. And um, as it's Pension Awareness Week between the 11th and 15th of September, we thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about pensions. We were asked by the Suffolk Money team to put something together. So here I am um, in Kingsfleet's office and I'm speaking with my two colleagues, um, Lou and Jack. And uh, Lou, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Why are pensions so exciting to you? <laughs> you do seem to get excited about pensions. I, I get really excited about pensions and everybody normally laughs at me when I say that. Um, but I worked in pensions for 13 years um, and specifically it was SIPs that I worked in and just during my time I learnt so much about what you can and can't do um, in pensions and initially when I first started working I thought you know pensions really simple and on the whole the concept is simple but there's so much to them and so many benefits and I love the technical side of and we'll, we'll deal with one or two of those uh, today. Um, we ought to have a little terminology klaxon, really, shouldn't we? So yeah, we you've used the word SIP. Yes, I have. SIP, self-invested personal pension, which is also under the money purchase pension category. Um, we'll explore them in a minute. We'll explore that. Later, yeah, we yeah. better just meet Jack first. So, Jack, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm at the opposite end of the scale to Lou. <laughs> uh, having... Well, you don't like pensions. Well, no, I wouldn't say don't like pensions, <laughs> but very much on the lesser knowledge side of pensions. Oh, so, I yeah, so, well, I, obviously, I've not come from, from industry. So, um, so yeah, so I, I joined the team in, in May um, and have, have just sort of been gleaning bits of knowledge, really. Um, you're yeah. studying very hard, actually, I think yeah. it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, before we then talk about the different types of pensions and things, Jack, you must have had a concept before you came into the financial world yeah. about pensions as yeah. a whole. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've, I've always had one through 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 the work schemes and things from, from previous employment. Um, and I think probably coming coming here it's just been you sort of see people's perceptions of coming towards retirement well, what's in my pension pot and, and have I got enough to retire is, is everyone's question mm. and I think sitting in on meetings and, uh, and sort of meeting clients and, and people coming in it's been just really interesting to see sort of um, sometimes what people's perceptions are and then what reality is when, when you sort of crunch the figures really and, and being able to put it in front of people and then see well, this is what it looks like over X amount of years, and it's not just a case of you take this a year and and so it's out by this day. It, it, it really is sort of fascinating for people. So yeah, that's been a real sort of eye opener for me. I think. Yeah, I think it's it's quite important right at the very outset. This is pensions awareness, but it's quite important for us all to recognise that pensions only form, you know, a very significant part, of course, but it's only one part of people's retirement plans because they may have other savings or they've built up an ISA over many years but let's just focus then on pensions particularly Lou talk us through the different main types of pension that we would want to be focusing on so first of all in simple terms as we've said a pension is a way to save for retirement and as Colin has just mentioned there are 
a couple of categories of different types of pensions. So you may hear um, words or phrases such as defined contribution or money purchase. So I think for this, we will refer to them as money purchase schemes, which again, and slow me down if I'm getting too excited to follow, but in, again, in simple terms, they are personal pensions, private pensions that an individual would set up for themselves mostly or potentially via their employer. Um, we also have um, defined benefit pension schemes, which are also known as final salary schemes. Um, there's these are more historic schemes and not a lot of newer ones are around in the market anymore. Um, and then just feeding on from that, we have, which I'm sure everybody will be aware of, the good old state pensions. Um, so those are the three mm. categories. So those. before we, we're going to come back and talk probably a lot more about the defined contribution and money purchase, mm -hmm. that's the term we're going to use, money purchase schemes throughout the rest of this conversation. Um, but just covering off the other two, so defined benefit often where if you work for a really big company yeah. and what they would effectively do is guarantee you an income from a set retirement date for yes. the rest of your life. Yeah, so it would be based on typically your years of service and in the, as it says in the name, your final salary. Um, and when you reach the scheme retirement age, which could typically be 60, um, you would then be guaranteed X amount a year for the rest of the rest of your life and, and then we ought to also just talk about state pensions because they're really quite significant levels of income now aren't they I, I suppose Jack you might have been surprised by seeing how much is now showing up as a state pension yeah yeah for sure I mean I believe around up to 200 pound a week really now That's right, so yeah, yeah. And, and interestingly with the with the dates that have, I mean it's recently been pushed back hasn't it and the extension um just people being able to top up and things right. like that um, to, to reach full state pension. Um, and probably the thing to flag up there is that you can find out how much state pension you are due to receive by just going online. Yes, you can. Yeah, if you go on the Gov um, website, it is actually um, quite a simple process to go on and it will tell you um, if you've got your full qualifying years, which is now 35 years and like Jack just mentioned if you haven't then you are there are without getting too technical you can top it up or you can buy additional years so that you get the full state pension when you reach that age. So the system will show you it's all based on your national insurance contributions isn't it yes. so the system will tell you all of that and if you're looking to find out what your state pension entitlement is, that is the thing to follow. Um, just look it up online. You'll need a government gateway login. Yes. Um, yeah, don't pay for anybody else to do it. You can do it all yourself. It's all free, all on the government site. And if you've got queries, raise it as soon as you possibly can. But as you say, if everything's factually right, mm -hmm. you can make up some of the shortfall if you've had some time out of employment. So, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's uh, really fascinating. So... Most of our time from here on in is going to be focused on this money purchase or defined contribution, unless we flag up anything else about <laughs> about those. So talk us through money purchase schemes then, Lou. How, how do those work? So 
again, um, trying to keep it as simple as possible, money purchase, as it says, is you basically build up your pension fund yourself or via employer contributions by putting money into your pension, whether it be each month or each year, you are then able to invest that money. And again, depending on what type of money purchase scheme you have will depend on your investment options. Um, but it's just a case of you put your money in and at retirement, what you then are potentially able to get out is based on the fund value at that point. Um, and that's keeping it really simple and I thought it might be helpful to just talk about the incentives of mm. having a pension um, because I think one of the things that I a very long time ago didn't actually realise was all of the tax advantages that you could receive by saving money into a pension so the first one being any contribution that you put in, you receive income tax relief, um, which for a basic rate taxpayer would be 20%. Um, any profits that you or gain that you make on any investment within your pension is free of capital gains tax. Um, and as we as we know, the limits and your allowances on that are forever reducing mm -hmm. so to be free of any capital gains taxes is amazing you can take at retirement 25% of your pension tax free so that is a lump sum so just throwing out some figures if you've got a hundred thousand pound 25,000 pound of that can go into your pocket completely tax free which in these days is, mm -hmm. is amazing um, Yep, you can take benefits, again, at, at retirement. Rules were introduced to allow old people to take your money out of your pension more flexibly. So, again, without getting too complicated, yeah. there are lots of different options for retirement, um, but you are able to... There's a lot more flexible options these days. Mm. And also, in the event of an individual's passing you typically are able to pay or the pension is able to pay out those death benefits to somebody of your choosing so you would nominate an individual so maybe a, a spouse or a child even a charity for example mm -hmm. your, your pension will pay out the benefits to someone that you choose yeah I mean, there are lots of things that we could explore here, and we may do that in a few minutes yeah. with some of the questions <laughs> that we've got. But let's just recap one or two of those things. So um, tax relief is a really massive thing, isn't it? Because what that's saying is to have £100 invested in your pension, it only costs you £80, isn't it, if you're yes. a basic rate taxpayer? Yes. Um, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, then it's the same equation, but you also get some more money back in your tax return. So um, that, that it's it's an incredibly beneficial deal, um, and uh, but most people, I guess, Lou, are, are doing their pension through their salary or through their payroll, something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, so lots of people will, um, yeah, have have their pension set up, um, and typically, how. Um, a lot of pensions work now is that your employer will set up a pension and whilst it's set up for your employer it's still 
an individual pension. So you would say have, again, let's just throw a figure out, £50 deducted from your salary that will then go into your pension and then that's topped up with, with the tax relief. You are able to do it directly yourself if you, if you want, but a lot of people these days will have it paid out of their salary. And that's often called auto-enrolment or a workplace pension. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's because your employer sends it up, they pay the costs, the costs for actually running the scheme are normally very, very low. Mm-hmm. You get a bit of a limited choice of funds, yeah. um, so you haven't got the whole universe to, to pick from, but it's a way of establishing a significant pension pot over a working life um, uh, in a very simple simple way. that The employer puts in a percentage, the employee, the individual puts in a percentage, and then there's tax relief from the government as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Jack, when when you were employed previously, you were part of an auto enrolment scheme. Did you have any idea where the money was going? Yeah, yeah. I, did, I mean, I did, and I did. I did check it out fairly early in terms of what what plan I was uh, I was sort of auto enrolled into, um, and I think. It's interesting, isn't it? Maybe jumping in the gun on one of the questions, but you can end up. I mean, I, I'm 27, and I've worked at this would be the third company that I've worked at since leaving university. And so I think if you look at sort of the amount of jobs now that sort of people seem to have within their working working careers, it's quite easy to accrue quite a bit of paperwork in a binder, and you, before you know it, you've got quite a few pension pots. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but I, I was aware in terms of where it was going, um, but but keeping on track of it, I think after 10, 15 years sometimes can be can be difficult. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I guess Lou, you must have seen people over the years who've who come in with bags of paperwork and uh, or are consolidating things. I think one of the biggest consolidations I saw was about fifteen Is that small. Right? smaller pensions but all individual personal pensions or as we've been saying money purchase pensions all being consolidated into one um so that was probably one of the biggest ones that i saw but like you've both mentioned it's so easy to especially if you move on jobs it's so easy to sort of lose track and lose sight of i've got that small pot there and i've got that small pot there yeah it's easy to accumulate them um, so uh, we'll deal with some of the questions as we go along now because some of these things sort of fit in together and I'd, just to explain for it if you're just wondering what you're listening to this is the Suffolk Money podcast supported by Kingsfleet I'm Colin and I've got Lou and Jack with me my colleagues and we're just talking through some of the issues to do with pension awareness week um, 11th to the 15th of September so um this is one of the questions that we've had from our Suffolk Money team who, who put some questions together for us. Is this thing about how do you know if you're paying in enough into your pension? Um, Jack, what, what's, what's your experience in the time you've been here about how we would deal with that? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does just totally depend, doesn't it? It depends on so many factors. So when you're going to retire, um, whether that be sort of in, in your early or mid-50s or whether... You want to work on into later life and what your expenses look like, whether you've got a mortgage. And, and so obviously all those things come into it. Um, but I, I think that the general sort of thing for me that I've seen, it just tends to be that with careful planning, people do have enough to see 
to see a a good retirement, mm-hmm. um, but it's just so hard to picture when you're looking at 30, 35, maybe even more years mm-hmm. uh, ahead and, and you're looking at a pot of money and you're thinking, well, especially with what we've seen in inflation over the last mm-hmm. couple of years, it's just so hard for people to sort of picture, I think. Um, but in terms of have I got enough, I mean, it's always slight tying in with about the employer. It's always worth sort of looking and seeing what your employer offers because sometimes quite simply you, you can change your contributions even with your within your own employer and you can uh, pop a bit more of your salary in if you're finding actually I've, I've got plenty at the end of the month mm-hmm. um, and you look at sort of what's coming off on, on the tax and you think do you know what it might be more efficient just to say to my employer can I contribute 15% instead of the five and uh, you don't really notice it in your pay packet they no. reduce your tax a little bit and it's just a clever little way of, of planning for the future. I'll tell you a story I was at a Suffolk chamber lunch last week and on our table they actually got talking about pensions Lou you would have you would have, I know you're I on holiday out. but um, yeah and they were all getting quite excited and one guy was saying exactly that Jack that he says every time he gets a pay rise he just increases his pension contribution a little bit so that he still gets the benefit of a pay rise, not all of it, because some of it then he puts in. And that's an interesting point you make, because we got talking on the table. I, I actually timed it. It was at 10 to 2 on, <laughs> on Thursday last week, whatever that was. Um, and people were getting quite excited about pensions yeah. right at the table, so it was lovely. <laughs> um, but that, we were just chatting about how sometimes pensions are seen as a tax, so it's like taking money out of our pay packet. Mm. But actually it's deferred pay, it's just holding it back till another occasion. So as you say, a bit of planning. We, do, we use a cash flow planning tool in the office, don't we, where we put things together working out what people spend and will they then have enough in the future is all part of that conversation, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so yeah, you're right. You, you know, ultimately, individuals have control. Lou, is there any limit on what people can pay into a pension? Yeah, so the annual limit um, has recently been increased and an individual can now contribute up to £60,000 a year. Um it does then tie into what your salary is. So your salary needs to support any contributions that you put in in order to qualify for that tax relief. Um, yeah, so there are limits. So you you would need to be careful and keep an eye on what you're putting in, especially if you're putting in, you know, occasionally larger sums, just mm. to keep an eye on that because anything over that amount, our good friends, um, HMRC, do like to slap you with with tax charges if you exceed their limits um but yeah it's a very generous annual limit um and yeah a a good way to to a great way to save i think maybe diverting slightly if i'd have known what i'd known now i don't know say 20 years ago i wish that i'd have paid more attention and put in more money when, mm. I, when I was younger. Mm. Yeah, I think that's something that we all think to a degree. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing just on that, without dwelling on it too much, the last couple of years have been quite rough from an investment perspective and sometimes people speak to us and say, should I stop making my regular contributions because you know markets are going down, my pension funds have gone down a bit. Uh, it's probably just worth stressing, actually, that's exactly the time when you need to carry on. <laughs> as long as you can afford it, of course. You know, affordability is crucial in all of this. But the reason why is that if you think that you buy these units of investments, 
and you're for each monthly contribution if the value of the investments is falling then you're buying more units for the same money every month so at some stage in the future they are going to bounce back we obviously never know when they are that's the expectation um, so then given that the more units you can pick up now at a lower price the better so yeah as you say perhaps sometimes you know we think about you know, can we afford a bit more? And if we can, we then think, oh, well, what if markets fall? But it's more important about what the value of the markets are when you come to retire, not while you put the money Absolutely. in. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 really helpful. Um, so actually, that is one question now is, you know, the expected returns, are they going to be lower um, you know, with markets as they are at the moment? But long term, when, we, when we're talking pensions, we are talking long term. We haven't really changed our assumptions, have we, on these things? So, yeah, we still look at you know, what's the average long-term return. It's not about what happens over the next 12 or 18 months or, or longer. We're talking here for people who, you know, maybe have got 20, 25 years left to, to contribute before they will retire. And I think probably I speak for a lot of people so I'm, I, I don't mind saying I'm, I'm 35 and lately when I've looked at my pension and if we look at you know what my expected return is mm. my pension's lost quite a lot lately but as Colin says I've still got time that I, I cannot access my pension for for quite some time so although initially when you look at it you think oh my goodness I've got no pension left there's still time. There's lots of time for that to recover and for that to, to grow. And I think it's important to keep that in the back of your mind. Mm. And, and we ought to just be clear, you haven't looked and said you've got no pension left. It's just gone Oh, down. no, no. I haven't. I've, I've got a pension left. Sorry, just to clarify. It has just dropped a little bit. I was being um, dramatic. Yeah, that was yeah, quite dramatic. I thought, uh, oh, my goodness, what's yeah. gone on there? No. Um, so actually, one of the questions is about the security of pensions. So, again, there is a bit of an overlap with the defined um, benefit final salary thing mm -hmm. here. There's lots of protection around those. Yeah. We all... Uh, for those who are old enough, can remember the Robert Maxwell situation where effectively he dipped into the pension fund of you know, one of the companies that he owned and used that to support the company and therefore there wasn't the money in there. But all of those schemes now have very clear levels of protection. There's actually a, what's often called a pensions lifeboat s system now, isn't there, to protect um, that, which is now, which is called the... Pension Protection Fund? Pension Protection Fund, yes. Yeah. So that protects final salary schemes in case they were to fail and it looks after the um, pension beneficiaries. Um, but in terms of actual individual pensions, again, the key thing I would say there is it all depends on the investments as to where the money's invested as to how safe it is. Yeah, absolutely. It would be like any other investment other than it is housed and wrapped in a pension and I think as you said earlier it it whilst it can be a little bit unnerving to see your value of your pension go up and down with money purchase pensions it is based on the value when you're ready to take it at retirement mm. so whether that be 55 or 65 mm. you're you need to be looking at it at that point rather than beforehand yeah i think the only other thing i would say about the security of a pension scheme is just being careful about scams yes um you know one of the big things that really does both annoy me and upset me greatly is to see 
And thankfully, as far as I'm aware, that's not happened to any of, of the clients we've ever dealt with. But um, to see people who've built up pension funds over time and then have fallen for some awful scam that has meant the value of their pension fund. It's really scary and obviously, uh, you know, in my time working in pensions, I unfortunately did see that and not sharing any specific information. It was actually very, very heartbreaking for mm. the individual that was scammed out of their pension. That was their life savings. And, yeah, it's, it, it is very... It's very... Popular is not the word, but it's... It is it's prevalent. Prevalent, or yeah. We're aware of it, certainly. And there are yeah. lots of, lots of um, checks in place. You know, pension providers will ask lots of questions to individuals when they're taking money out or moving their pensions elsewhere. Mm. There are, there's a lot of security around them, but I think, and I would just say f to anybody, if you're approached by anybody and the deal seems too good to be true, just stop and think. Yeah, yeah, and in particular, cold calling in the UK is now banned for anything related to pensions. So you shouldn't get a call out of nowhere from anyone claiming to be your pension provider. It should only be people who you know. Um, so yeah, just anything that you receive like that, put the phone down. Don't Because if someone desperately needs to get in touch with you from your pension provider or your financial advisor, they will make contact through another means that you know is secure. So yeah, do look after your pension funds. And, and I guess most especially if you're looking for advice, um, speak with people you know who have had trusted advice. Uh, I would encourage you to use a chartered financial planner, Kingsley. So uh, Kingsley is a chartered financial planning firm because we have to go through additional qualifications and have an annual assessment of what we're doing. And I would also encourage you to use independent financial advice because ultimately that is all focused on the individual rather than on the schemes that can be on offer from the provider. So, um, but still, nonetheless, those two things in and of themselves aren't sufficient. I would say do seek out um, a recommendation from someone you know, or a lawyer or an accountant, um, to ask them to recommend you with someone who is trustworthy. Um, so yeah, just beware scams. It seems a shame we're having to talk about it, but we wouldn't be why we wouldn't be right not to. Oh, no, I, I agree. It's, it's that, that's the darker side of of it, I think. Yeah, it's a shame, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. Right, so we ought to really then talk about taking benefits. So let's say over a lifetime, individuals build up schemes. And again, we're really focusing here on money purchase arrangements. Um, so what are the options available? So, Jack, do you want to talk us through annuities as, as yeah. one of the options? Yeah, so it's, I mean, probably ties into sort of one of the questions, isn't it, we, we were sort of thinking without sort of trying to sound like a politician, it, it really does depend. And I think mm. that is why getting sort of advice and independent advice is just so, so important. I mean, one of the questions we had was, is it better to keep uh, multiple smaller pension pots or, or sort of consolidate? And I think what we're seeing now, especially sort of in, in turbulent times, are, are sometimes maybe someone has a smaller pension pot and they're deciding... Do you know what? I'm just going to turn that into an annuity. I get a guaranteed fixed income for the next, say, five, whatever years. It might be that they've taken relatively early retirement and they just want something guaranteed to get them through to that guaranteed state benefit. Mm. Um, and that can work really well. Yeah. Uh, and then they have another pension pot that they go for drawdown um, and, and sort of let that accrue. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think annuities. I mean, I'm sure Luke could, could give a could give a better answer or more in depth answer. But they are a good form of just you know where you stand, don't you? You get a guaranteed amount each month, um, uh, and at the moment there's some there's some okay there's some okay options out there for them. No, and I agree. And whilst which I'm sure we'll come on to, there are other flexible options. The security is really appealing to a lot of people, mm. um, especially in times where things feel really uncertain mm. in the economy and just the world in general. Just having that bit of security where you know X, you will receive X amount every month, mm. forever yeah. or for whatever term, it it it, it is reassuring, mm. I think. So, again, it all comes down to getting financial advice and what suits you as an individual. But, yeah, I I think you've got it spot on, Jack. I think I'm always just nervous of sitting here and sounding like a politician and not being able to give you a proper answer. But (laughs) it it is so case by case, isn't it? It is, totally. And that is the thing. I think that's exactly it. We would always preface all these things with it depends. It's all reliant on an individual circumstances. But, again, just to recap how an annuity works... A value of a pension pot that has been built up over time is handed over to an insurance company who will guarantee to pay an income, normally for life, but as Jack was saying, there are what's called fixed-term annuities available now where you can have them for a shorter period of time. Um, And that gives some certainty to an individual because they know month after month after month, year after year, as long as they're around, there is an income that is coming through. And they can build in a benefit for their spouse as well. So if they... You know, if they were to die relatively early on in the arrangement, there are guarantees built in to give them an income for the rest of their life. So, you know, there are various things that are well worthwhile investigating on annuities. And if you haven't heard the term really for the last few years, it's because the income level from an annuity is really dependent on interest rates. And we've just gone through a period of 10, 15 years where interest rates were so low a lot of people just totally disregarded annuities. But those rates have gone up now. Um, They're certainly worth comparing and looking at if you're coming up to retirement just to consider whether some or all of your scheme should be set aside to at least give you a guaranteed level of income because that takes a significant amount of risk um, out of the whole equation. Um, But effectively, to pay for that annuity, you're giving away your capital, you're not giving it because it returned, you get an income for the rest of your life, but you hand over the capital for that purpose. So that's an annuity, so that's one option with a pension. So we better really tackle the whole complex subject of drawdown. We won't go into massive detail with drawdown, but I think we ought to at least explain roughly how it works. Yep, so the term drawdown, you are essentially drawing money straight from your pension pot which means that your pension provider will pay you money directly in whatever frequency you choose so again without going too far back um, some pension flexibility was introduced and you are now able to take your tax-free cash um, still 25% and then you can draw an income. So you could take that monthly, you could take that annually, however you choose. Um, and the flexibility is there are, there are no limits. So you, you could take as much or as little as, as you wanted. I guess the downside to that is that 
with that flexibility being in place, you could essentially wipe out your whole pension and say, right, I'm, I need the whole lot, I want to take the whole lot, mm. which again, which, you know, we keep saying we would always suggest take financial advice yeah. because once that pension pot is gone, it's, it's gone. Yeah. Um, but simply put, you can take it directly from your pension and it is taxed. So after your tax-free cash, any income that you receive is taxed like you would get taxed in a job, yeah. income tax, um, at your marginal rate. Um, and the same applies for the annuity too. We didn't say that, but it's important that it's taxed just like any other income. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there are risks on the drawdown. You know, whilst we were saying it's a good time at the moment to keep contributing to your pension if you're paying in, as you can imagine, if you're drawing money out and the markets are down, then there is an added risk there. So, yeah, managing how drawdown is carried out is really quite an important aspect. And yeah, while some people can do that by themselves, they often find that working with an advisor, again, with a cash flow plan, is a very good way of managing the funds, where they're allocated, how much is held in cash, what's paid out every month, and put that alongside an annuity. It can create a really effective plan. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a really complicated area. We're not doing it justice here. Um, and as Jack was flagging up, you do need financial advice, really, yeah. don't you? That's what we would encourage you to have anyway. So I think that's really quite an important aspect of, of everything. Um, is there any help available? So whilst we've been talking about getting independent financial advice or seeing a chartered financial planner or both, as we would encourage you to do, um, Lou, what help is there available out there for people who are just looking for support on, on this? So you can go to PensionWise... And you can talk all things pensions with with those guys, and it is free um, free of charge. So, if you were not in a position to initially seek out advice from a financial advisor, because ultimately there there are costs involved, pensions wise was was set up for for everybody basically, so that you could go and ask anything, um, and they're there, you know, easy easy to access um, at, at any time. So they're now all under this it's money helper now, isn't it? The umbrella which um, uh, is now available, but PensionWise is a specific part yes. of that to, to yeah. focus on, on pensions. But yeah, it's, what people will find is if they're getting close to their scheduled retirement age with their pension fund, they will get like an early warning letter, won't they, to... Yeah, yeah. So your your pension provider, it's very likely that they'll write out to you to say you're approaching retirement, um, and they'll give you your options. So a lot of providers would say you need to seek financial advice, but they are always on hand to tell you what your options are, especially as it can vary from provider to provider. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's always, it never hurts to contact them directly and say, you know, what, what are my options with, with you and take it from there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, this is where, you know, there are so many alternatives with pensions. It's, it's quite tricky um, to try and explain all of those in just a half hour or so that we've got today. Um, so I think one of the, the analogies I've often used with our clients is it's very like, servicing your car like many years ago you could just do everything yourself you could change the oil and 
whatever else is involved in mm. servicing a car, which just shows how little I know. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly why I take mine to a you know a, ga- a trusted reputable dealership or a garage and and ask them to service the car and to do the MOT because I need to ensure that when they hand me back the keys that I'm confident that it's safe enough to drive and it will look after me for the remaining uh, 12 months, but that they really want to get it in optimal um, working order. And uh, and that's really where I think the proper role of an advisor would be. So you don't necessarily have to understand everything. In fact, you know, admitting that to an advisor early on is sometimes a really good thing because that helps us to pitch the advice at the right level mm-hmm. and not to take anything for granted, but um, to bring someone along with us, meet with them manually, carry out the service, just as you would in terms of whatever you have to do with a car, as I still don't know. Um, and then ultimately, they know for the next year that they're in a good, safe place. And that's just a way of progressing through to that time when they're going to ultimately need to draw on the money. Um, so, I like that. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Have you not heard that before? Not no. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's a... Yeah, I don't get cars. I never have. I don't understand how they work. Um, yeah, especially now I've got an electric one. Right? I don't know where to put the petrol. So, um, so I think it's um, it's just one of those things that I think sometimes we have to acknowledge there are things that we struggle to understand and grasp. And rather than put yourself in danger by trying to do it yourself, sometimes there's a need to call on somebody who's got some experience and knowledge and um, and will look after things with you, not not necessarily for you, but with you, work alongside you. I think that's the most important thing. Um, so as we wrap this up, um, obviously we've dealt with some of the questions. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do. Um, so we've had some questions come to us in advance of this that we've tried to cover off, sort of bundle a few together. Um, but do get in touch with us either at Suffolk Money, and again, you can do that through the Facebook page um, or through Twitter or, or directly through to Kingsfleet Um Again, you'll find us online and you know, on our website. There's an inquiries page on there. If you do want to to find out any more, feel free to get in touch. Um, but yeah, what, what would you say, Lou? What's the most important thing that someone should be doing at Pensions Awareness Week? What what are the key things that they need to be thinking of? Oh, you put me on the spot. Now. I have. Well, while you're thinking, what about you, Jack? What would you be saying? Make sure make sure you're enrolled on your. I mean, obviously there is auto enrolment now. So, mm-hmm. but just make sure that you are on your on your workplace scheme, um, and find out a little bit more information about it. Find out uh, what percentage of salary you're contributing currently. Whether there's any scope within that to to move, mm-hmm. uh, and also what your employer is contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and most schemes um, they're fairly easy. You can you can ring up. You can find out what's in your what's in your pension pot. Um, see where it's invested, uh, and, and that's a big thing for people now. Where it's invested, yeah. isn't it? Because you know, one of the big things that's cropped up, just as we we're wrapping this up, putting a really big issue, um, is is where that money's going, and you know, is it going to support businesses, industries that perhaps the individual actually feels a little bit uncomfortable about? So, getting some knowledge of where that money's being invested is really important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I think my my biggest bit of advice, and I think I touched on it earlier, is the earlier you start contributing to a pension, the the better it will mm. be later on down the line. I think a lot of people, quite rightly so, if you don't if you're not in the industry or don't have the knowledge, you you maybe underestimate the power of pensions yeah. and the benefits that they can offer. So um, 
at Four Pensions Awareness Week, I would say get contributing, even if it is just a small amount, That's even if true. it is just twenty pounds. Yeah. Twenty pounds will build up. Yeah. Well, that is absolutely so true. I, I'm just going to give an example of that. So. It must have been 25 years ago. I'm the only one who could be advising that long ago in this room. So I was advising 25 years ago. I used to work for a bank and it was a Saturday morning and I had an appointment booked in with someone I'd never heard of before. And there was a gentleman came in with his son who was going to be 18 the following week. And he said, he needs to start a pension. How much can he put in? And we started him off on the pension that morning. And I'd, I really wish I knew what that <laughs> young man, um, you know, how he's doing. Because... To have started on your 18th birthday, um, it's just such a, the right thing to do. You know, put the money in as early as you can. And actually, you can put it in for children and grandchildren now. You can pre-fund pension arrangements. But anyway, that's maybe for another day. <laughs> so once these two have talked about, you know, their stage in life, putting contributions in early and knowing where it's going, I'd be thinking maybe towards the other end of working life, um, as I am, a little older. Uh, and again, I would just be saying if you're thinking at retirement uh, or stepping away from work is going to be within the next five to ten years, you really, really do need to have some sort of projection about the value of your fund, what it's going to do for you, and is it going to sustain the type of life you want to have? Um, because unless you know that now, what changes can you possibly make in the remaining part of your career? So uh, do think about that. Do just pull together all the values of your plans so that, that you know what they come to. And then you need someone really to work out if that's what they're worth today. Roughly speaking, assuming general principles, what could they be worth on the day that you're looking to give up work? Because doing it six months or a year before is just too late. Um, by then you've accepted your fate <laughs> of the value of the fund but between now and then you've got an opportunity to make a difference so it's worth investigating sooner rather than later so uh, there we are we've talked pensions hopefully reasonably high level and not too complex um, yeah. Sometimes you have to slow me down. No, that's all good, Luke. You're fine with that. That's okay. So, yeah, I think we've used up all our allotted time. Thank you so much for for listening. And do get in touch, as I say, either through Suffolk Money or or directly to Kingsfleet on the inquiries page if you've got any questions you feel we can assist you with. Um, But, Lou and Jack, thank you both very much for your input. Thank you, Colin. Thank you.